0: Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey
1: everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Onyx. The Onyx Hunt app is your premier GPS hunting app turn your mobile phone into a working GPS. So there's a few Updates with an Onyx here recently that I wanted to share with everyone. So, recently Onyx launched their elites benefit program for all customers with an elite membership. So, if you have an elite membership, which means you have all fifty states, um, you through this program, Onyx has began partnering with outdoor brands that the guys and girls at Onyx use and believe in to offer to the elite members exclusive pricing discounts. And they want to expand this program and add even more value to everyone. So one of the huge additions to that, which kind of goes in line with what we're talking about today is adding top to offer to elite members. This is a free top membership, which top is a source for draw odds in eight of the key Western states Top Rock covers all of the information you might need to, to be able to, to utilize tag applications each year. Um, I'm pumped to give that a try. I have not used TopRot yet, but they just launched this program here. So I plan on diving into it here in the next couple of weeks to see how it compares to some of the other sources that I've used in the past. But as always, if you use the coupon code EMW, you'll save 20% off of the Onyx Hunt app, whether that's the Elite or the Premium membership. Head over to onxmaps.com. The podcast is also brought to you by Tethered. So, Tethered is a team of saddle hunting fanatics with a passionate addiction to whitetail hunting. And they have two missions. Essentially, they want to spread the love for saddle hunting to all the sportsman community. And also design and engineer the world's best saddle hunting equipment. They've been coming out with game-changing products the last few years, and that doesn't seem to change. I've been using the the Tethered Phantom saddle along with the Predator platform. And I, this past year, I'm, I'm not saying that I'll never use a, a regular tree stand or a mobile tree stand because I will. I think there's situations for them. But this past year, I used the saddle on every single hunt. So it just it's really changed the name name of the game as with as far as mobile hunting goes for myself. So you can find out more at tetherednation.com. Maven Optics. So Maven delivers world-class optics straight to the user with no middleman and no retail markup. So they're able to come out with the highest end optics, highest quality optics at half of the price of their competitors because I've I've um I bought my first Maven binoculars back in twenty either fifteen or 2016, I think it was. And then I got to meet some of the, the guys, the owners at a show. And the people there, they focus on the fundamentals. They want clean, simple designs with the best modern materials, technologies. And then they basically to create uncompromising gear that just works. They don't spend a ton of money on marketing. They don't do a whole bunch of stuff there. They work with people that have the same vision as them, and I really respect that. If you head over to mavenbuilt.com and if you decide to buy one of their optics, you've used the coupon code East Meets West gift. You get yourself a free gift with any full price optics order. And last but not least, Exodus has a deal for us that's been going on this whole month of January and it will expire at the end of this month. So as you know, I've been, well, if you've been listening, I've been using the Exodus render, which is their Verizon 4G LTE cell camera. I have two of those that I've been using for the last couple of years and the demand for the product in 2020 was incredible and they actually didn't have any in stock on their Black Friday sale. So they're extending the offer to the East Meets West listeners by giving you $35 off of each camera by using the code RENDER35. So if you want to know about more of some of these pricing opportunities, they come up. Also, be sure to sign up for the Exodus newsletter at exodusoutdoorgear.com. If you're not familiar with Exodus, all their cameras are backed by a five-year no BS warranty and even includes five-year theft and damage coverage. So they have the best trail camera warranty that I've seen on the, in the market. And, uh, I'm almost, I'd say probably over half of my cameras are Exodus now and I run close to 30. So I, I, I definitely rely on them. I run, I think I have just about every type of camera out there and they just been the most reliable for me. So when I first purchased them uh, a few years back, it, it was a no brainer to, uh, continue to go down that route. All right. So as far as news with East meets West in the uh, last week here, I have a few new products, some apparel items that I added to the store. You're the first ones hearing about it. I haven't shared it yet on social media or the email list, but uh, I have two new T-shirts and a hoodie. So I have the Head West T-shirt, which has the the custom elk design logo on it. So this is a it's a funny story behind this logo. I made it myself when I was first designing the logo for East Meets West, and that was my original drawing. And then I realized that it was way too complicated to be an actual logo that went on everything. But I'm like, oh, I'll make a cool t-shirt design someday. So I kept it, and now I now I just finally released it almost three years later to to be able to be out there. And then also I have the, the Adventure logo t-shirt, which is just uh, a regular t-shirt but it's if you've had any of our other t-shirts in the past you know i like to use high quality have a little bit of stretch good fitting uh t-shirts and this one has a vintage logo on it so not too much in your face nice you can wear out the dinner and then lastly the the vintage logo hoodie which this is uh a hoodie or vintage logo camp hoodie so the camp hoodie is it was designed for, you know, when you're going over to camp, you're heating up the wood burner, still a little cool in there, keep it on, but still not too warm where you're going to be, you know, peeling it off when when your buddy starts throwing on too much wood on the fire and, and smoking you out or heating you out of camp. So this hoodie is kind of a mid-weight cotton polyester blend uh, hoodie. And I have all those over on the website now. Those are shipping uh, right after the orders go in. Those, those come directly from, a, from the supplier. So as I've mentioned before, some of my products now, especially the t-shirts, trying to have directly shipped from the supplier. And, and that helps out as far as being able to get it out to you quickly. But uh, if you ever have any issues with it or the product quality on anything is not up to your expectations, feel free to reach out to me as as it's very important to me to make sure that everyone's happy with what they got. And you can find that over at EastMeatsWesthunt.com. All right, so today's episode uh, is all about... Wyoming elk hunting so I got the guys from Unguided Outdoors on to talk some stories talk about their strategy they've been as you'll hear they've been hunting the west now for quite a few years and just learning it you know coming from different states in the east and midwest and the south and, and going out there and I, I think it's pretty cool to hear this perspective from them and so a, a lot of really good information there. But before we got started, I wanted to give some general information <clears throat> about Wyoming so that I can help you as the, the draw application is almost due here. So February 1st is the deadline of 2021 for you to apply for Wyoming elk. So Wyoming doesn't have your typical over-the-counter options. You can't just go to Walmart and pick up a tag. You have to apply early on. And for their general hunts, they have, I think, over 50 different general hunt areas and have a very healthy population of elk with some decent trophy potential. So you can find some really good hunts. There's a reason why you see a lot of people, if you pay attention to YouTube, hunting elk in Wyoming and always seem to have some sort of success. So license costs, we'll go over that first. For a resident, you can pick up your tag for $57. If you're a resident, you're probably not listening to this. uh, But for non-residents, there's two different tags. You have your regular tag and your special tag. We talk about this within the episode, but essentially the special tag doesn't get you any better tag But what you do is you pay more money. It's $1,268, but you get a little bit better increase in your odds of drawing a tag. The regular tag is $692. So you're looking at an additional about $560, $570 to have increased odds. But uh, the one thing you should pay attention to and check out the draws. in some units, it doesn't really help you much by getting the special tag, but it, it can help if you're for sure you want to hunt in Wyoming and money's not an issue. That might be a, a good, good route to go. So to apply in Wyoming, you have to go over on their state game and fish website and create a, a sportsman ID number if you don't have one already. And that's where you go in to apply. And so when you, when you apply in Wyoming, you have to submit the full cost of the license and the application fee. If you are unsuccessful in the draw, then you'll receive a full refund of the cost of the license. But you don't receive the refund for the application fee. But what is difficult about Wyoming here is they tie up your money for quite a while. So their application deadline is February 1st but you don't get you don't get your your money back if you don't draw until the middle of May. <clears throat> so, they hold on to it for quite a while. And one of the things though about Wyoming is say you applied for Wyoming elk and you started applying for some other places and say say you applied for Montana and you end up drawing that tag before you got results back from Wyoming. You have until May 10th to pull your application from Wyoming to be able to get a refund of everything except for your application fee, and you will get your points reinstated the way I understand it. So that's, that's important. If, if there is one nice thing about it is that you do have that possibility, as long as you can deal with having that money tied up for that long for almost half the year, then it, uh, might be worth it to check that out. And so I'm still unsure. It's, it's, it's pretty sad to say, but it, I'm still unsure whether I'm going to apply personally in Wyoming this year or not, uh, trying to figure out, I, I kind of screwed up. Uh, you know, it's, it's almost embarrassing with, you know, having a, a podcast where I try to keep up with the stuff and teach people as far as, applications and everything. But I didn't look into Montana enough to know that I should have bought a preference point last year at the end of last year. And I bought bonus points, but in Montana, this is a whole other discussion, but bonus points are for drawing a special draw permit, which I'm trying to do, but you have to draw the general tag first, and it's, it's a mess. But anyways, I kind of screwed up there, so it's important to to read through this ahead of time and plan, you know, even years ahead for things. But for Wyoming, um, they have a bunch of different license type. They have type one and two, which are for antlered or any elk. Uh, Type four and five, that's just for antlerless. Type six and seven, that's antlerless at a reduced price. Type nine is an archery only tag or license. And then they have the general tag which is antlered elk so there's a bunch of different things there to to pay attention to as you're over on the the Wyoming state game and fish website a um, bunch of different there's there's a bunch of options in Wyoming and it's it's a, it's a great state to throw into your mix as you're starting to, if you're planning on hunting elk every year, you should always have Wyoming in the back of your mind or part of your strategy in some sort of another. So not so just to give you a couple other um, quick highlights here. So the special drawing for non-residents represents 40% of the non-resident quota. So I was telling you about special drawing giving you an increase. That's the exact number on how much that that increases that, and so your odds are typically better through the special draw seventy five percent of non resident tags are reserved for applicants with the most preference points, and twenty five percent of the non resident t- tags are drawn at random, so even if you don 't have any points, you still have a chance in Wyoming. And um, and then the last thing, which again we'll talk about more in this episode, but non-residents cannot hunt in designated wilderness areas without being accompanied by a resident or a Wyoming guide. So the way I understand it, that's uh, kind of a, a safety feature, but um, yeah, it's not not very popular among non-residents, but it is what it is, and it's something to pay attention to. So if you're applying to a unit. That has 97% wilderness area. You might want to you might want to double think that. So pay attention to some of those things there, and uh, good luck applying in Wyoming. All right. So before we last thing before we get into this episode, go through a Mountain Buck Monday story brought to you on Tuesday, and this story comes from Troy Templeton. As always, you can find the photos of the Mountain Buck Monday posts over on the East Meets West Hunt Instagram, East Meets West Outdoors on Facebook. So the story goes like this. 2020 started with an obsession of a true PA giant that I had a little bit of history with, sheds from 19, and a ton of daylight photos. Well, he was shot the first week of the season, so I had to completely switch gears and areas. I picked up the buck I eventually killed on a cam in the summertime and as well as other few a few other good bucks in general area with a ton of mountain laurel. After bouncing between a few different areas and having some good encounters throughout the season, I keyed in on a top one third bench where a laurel bowl below and a laurel above pinched down at this bench. There were a ton of scrapes around, buck bedding nearby and a doe family group living above on november 13th i set up downwind of the does and at 11 30 a.m i drew on the biggest 10 point in the area pushing the does around but i couldn't get a shot i came back in the very next morning moved up the ridge a bit and the 10 came through by himself at first light but it was at 50 yards no shot again half hour later i hear a buck running and chasing does down the ridge a bit He ended up following the doze up the hill in front of me and I stopped him at 27 yards and made a good double lung shot. An hour later, I found him piled up hundred yards away, a big, heavy, beautiful nine point. I've lived in the area for four years and feel blessed to now arrow good bucks, three out of the four seasons. So I know Troy personally, and he puts a ton of time in to learning and scouting and hunting these deer It's well-deserved and not by accident that that he does well just about every year. So I, I definitely recommend you head over to social media pages and check out the photos of Troy's deer and congratulate him on that. Okay, so on this episode, let's jump right into it with the guys from Unguided Outdoors all right welcome back to another episode of the east meets west hunt podcast and tonight i'm joined by a couple of guys that are in a hotel room uh staircase staircase staircase. uh kyle mcdonald and phil baker how's it going guys
2: so i'm kyle mcdonald and it's pretty wore out man yep we're having a good time down here bo uh chasing these uh ghosts around in the cornflakes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah so you guys are on what uh mule deer and coos deer hunt down there in arizona
2: yep yeah we're down here chasing the, the late season over the counter anybody can do it uh hunt
1: for for archery anyways is this the first time that you guys have done that this hunt
2: uh so i done it last year uh the same, pretty much the same dates, and we mainly hunted coos deer, and then, um, so Kyle and Ben and, and Ryan came with me this year, so.
1: Gotcha. That's, that's awesome. So how's the hunt been going so far?
0: Um, have you ever tried to hunt whitetail off the feet in the middle of, off the ground in the middle of a field, and then dump cornflakes on your feet right as you step, <laughs> and that's, or eat Rice Krispie Treats? That's exactly what it's like. <laughs> it's dry. <laughs> it's dry down here. Guys, <laughs> understand every water hole is dried up. It's ridiculous.
1: <laughs> yeah. So this the spot and stock game's uh, a little bit difficult, I'd imagine.
0: Yeah,
2: I will say if you're going to come down here and do this, and it's dry, or actually probably do it at all, and, and want to be successful, tip number one. When you see the deer and you see a buck, because it is antler deer only, you can't shoot the does. Well, when you see a buck and you want to go after that buck, you need to try and figure out where he's going and get about 200 yards in front of him,
0: because they will hear you if you try to get closer than that. Really? It, it's actually it, it. Dude, I'll say this: we were I was glassing a a mountainside. Phil and Ben went to the other side of the mountain. And they were walking a creek bed, and I had ranged the creek bed and it was over three hundred yards with my rangefinder and I was sitting there and there's no wind up here ever and uh, so it's just super quiet and I um, me and another guy that was hunting with us, I said, "Trevor, I said, "Do you hear that?" And I could hear Phil and Ben walking in a creek bed three hundred yards away. It's crazy, dude,
1: yeah, so if you can hear them, they can definitely hear that <laughs> ten times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's been it's been a good time though. It's just something to kind of come do, you know. And uh, there's a, not a whole lot else going on, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that's I, I've been I've been wanting to do that hunt for a few years now. Before we started recording, I was telling you my dad my dad had drawn a New Mexico tag that was like really really difficult to draw. A buddy has asked him to to do it, and uh, he had just put in and it was like less than 1% chance and he, he drew it and it was at this time of year, similar hunt to what you guys are doing in Arizona. Um, but he, he's had similar weather conditions that year and said it was really difficult, but I've also talked to guys that have done that, that Arizona hunt, um, when conditions were better and said, it's an absolute blast. And I mean, there's, there's nothing better, I guess, to me than taking, um, you know, time out of January in Pennsylvania uh, to to go out to to Arizona and get to hunt because there's not not a whole lot going on here at this time.
2: Well, uh, yeah, look us up next year. We might uh, do some collaboration and go chase some deer and stuff.
1: Yeah, that that's awesome. It, uh, it it I mean, from the sounds of it, you guys were you guys have been seeing some pretty good ones too, though too.
2: Oh, dude, we like in all honesty, we've been inches away from from killing several. So it's just uh, a lot, like a lot of things have to to go right, and that's hunting. I mean, you know, that's when it comes right down to it. But here is just seems like you have a lot more things that have to go right. So
0: we, had, we uh, Phil had sent a text to uh, Sam Soho, and uh, he said, Sam, "He said uh, Sam, he said, where's all the tears that are dumb enough." To let you have a 40 yard or closer shot and sam said he's never seen one <laughs> <laughs> that's funny <laughs> and he's been doing this for what five six seven years or longer yeah it's crazy dude so uh, it's interesting to yeah
1: you. that's awesome well i hope in the next couple of days here you guys end up you know at least one of you is being able to punch a tag if not well you guys you got a crew there don't you
2: yeah, we've got how many tags we got? Five tags. Yeah. So we've got five tags. Good thing about these tags though is if you buy them on for the January 1 season, you can hunt that tag for the over the counter seasons even into December 31st of the entire year. So next December we'll be able to use these tags up until the 31st.
1: Yeah, that's I forgot about that. That's awesome for Arizona. And that that kind of, that helps you if I'm not mistaken with being able to for the draw applications right depending on how you when you buy your tag you don't have to buy that again when you're applying
2: yeah so yeah the main reason is obviously we're going to apply for points in Arizona for several species so you obviously have to buy that license anyways which is like 160 bucks and so you're going to buy that anyway so you might as well just come out here grab a deer tag and uh, maybe hunt once in January and then if you don't you know tag out or something you come back in in december so nice that's cool
1: well i i guess uh i'd like to transition into you know first hearing a, a background of you guys and and what you started with unguided outdoors and just kind of your journey into western hunting so i don't know if uh maybe if kyle if you want to start with your background then we'll transition to phil and kind of what you guys have created there
0: yeah um So really our backgrounds are relatively really close to the same Um, my mom's family is from New Mexico and all the way up until I was about 13 um, I don't remember what year it was New Mexico used to have over the counter rifle mule deer so I grew up hunting New Mexico mule deer even though we lived in Alabama and Mississippi Um, I think from the time I was about 15 or 13 we quit going because it went to draw and nobody in my family was that really into it at that point dad decided he wasn't going to fool with it And so I didn't go mule deer hunting again until I was about, I'm 29, and I think I went mule deer hunting when I was 20 or 21. And then that same year, we went mule deer hunting, and I shot my first mule deer um, archery. And then I think, what was it, 10 or 15 days later, no, you called me as soon as we got back home and said, hey, let's go on an OTC elk hunt. And um, we'd done a unit down there, and me and a buddy drove from Alabama. We had just drove from Colorado to Alabama. Um, I got home, I turned around, uh, changed clothes, got, got back in the truck, drove from Alabama, picked him up in Tulsa, and I met Phil and his two cousins in uh, Colorado. And I think we got in. We got in super late for some reason, so me and uh, Trevor, the guy that I went with, uh, we slept in that morning. In the first morning, first elk hunt, I couldn't cow call, I couldn't do nothing. And we didn't know nothing about it. When I say green, I'm talking super green. And this would all be before like Corey Jacobson was doing Elk one oh one or anything. I didn't know nothing. And so <laughs> and we had done went in, we was about twenty miles in by the time we got in there on quads. Yeah, at least. Yeah. Uh, it took forever. So we was way in and me and Trevor um uh, Trevor I'm I'm a smaller guy and, and Trevor he's a uh, six three and about three hundred pounds and we slept in a two man like little backpack tent. And we were on top of each other. It was miserable, dude. Woke up, had frost on our beards. We'd never experienced anything like that. And uh so we slept in that morning, get um go right out of the tent. Trevor Cow calls and probably we ha- we had a bugle bugle back at us and he's like, well let's go. So I'm running a little video camera and this uh trevor cow calls again sure enough this bull sounds off we ain't 300 yards from the tent set up in a meadow and we didn't know at the time that you know the the collar was supposed to pull back and whatever else and we called it was probably we had him on camera he was probably about 300 to 350 inches herd bull off of his cows and i was like man this is the easiest thing we've ever done you know and uh we was freaking out you know, I mean, we were freaking out. And then we've seen one more elk the entire trip. <laughs> 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 oh, that's... So that's kind of like how we got introduced to elk hunting and, you know, hunting out west. And, and it was just, you know, a uh, struggle from there. And that, so that's kind of how I get in, got into it. And then, you know, Phil can kind of tell you his experience. So
2: pretty much, yeah, we, uh, I think I went on my first elk hunt the year before Kyle and Trevor went and, it's a crazy story that I've got this uh so like Kyle was saying, you know, we all grew up kind of in church camp and stuff together and you know, this guy he uh he was actually the, the evangelist preacher guy that would go around and preach some of these camps. Well me and him every time I see him, you know, he's talking about elk hunting and, and he's from Oklahoma so you know he's go out west and and they you know, for like twenty years and you know, running they would go out west and elk hunt. And so you know, as time went on, you know, I kept pressing, like, hey, man, I want to do it, I want to do it, so finally, I said, I'm going to do it, and he kind of, you know, prepped me a little bit, and we went into a place that, uh, he had never been before, nobody had ever been before, and me and my brother, me and my, uh, and my cousin pull in day one, we drove through the night, and I think we got the tents and everything set up, like, three o'clock in the afternoon, and, uh, coming from indiana you know driving through the night and uh one of the guys there at the camp which they had mule deer hunted a little bit in there but they had never elk hunted and uh, as western colorado and uh and so he was like man let's just uh let's just set up tents and we'll just kind of drive around and just get a feel for the land you know and here i am you know I, i'll tell you, you know i'm a pretty hardcore guy and so as soon as i get into camp I, I grabbed my boat. I'm like, well, me and, me and Cameron, we'll go. Which is my cousin. We'll go over here and and we'll just start glassing off some knobs. You know, I wasn't into the driving around,
0: getting a feel for the
2: area. You know, so we, me and Cameron get on this this knob and start glassing. Where we, I, I we got there so fast that I got altitude sickness because we went straight up in the in the hills, and you know, I think we were like nine thousand feet probably you know, not super, super high, but we had drove through the night, just went right up there. And, uh, so I'm laying down on my back on this knob, you know, sick and Cameron's glass. And when we see an, an elk, we wouldn't sure, you know, if it's a cow or bull or whatever. And so I'm like, dude, there's an elk down there. We're going down there to try to kill. Him. We'd never even seen an elk, you know? And so we get down in the bottom, you know, with this elk. And once we get down in the bottom, we're like, holy smokes. How can we see anything down in here?
0: And, uh,
2: so all of a sudden, I bought, on the way out there, we stopped at the Walmart, obviously to buy license and stuff, so I picked up one of those little green, I don't even know what they're called, but you bite on it and blow. It's a like Primo's call. Okay. And, uh, and so I just squeak a little bit with this thing, and this bull bugles up on this hill, you know, in the, in the, uh, the oak brush. And So I'm like, oh my goodness, there's an elk right here. And so the thing runs down right by us at like 55 yards i pull back and shoot this bull r- directly in the heart it takes like five steps and dies <laughs> and so i'm standing there like what in the world i'm talking like the first hour of being in colorado and this is over the counter too and so dude me, me and my cousin walk up to this you know for us you know we're from indiana we had never been out west we're deer hunters you know we deer hunt a ton And, uh, but we had never seen an animal of this size, you know, laying there. And so, man, we walk up to it. I'm like, good God, it's the size of a horse, you know? And, uh, so that was my first elk hunt. And then after that, you know, we went with Kyle the next year and then it just progressed into lots of research and, and then, uh, and then playing some odd figures there in Wyoming as we've been able to draw several years in a row, so... Oh, man. You
1: guys both had some incredible first experience Zell cutting.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but then we had a whole bunch of suck afterwards. Yeah. (laughs) There were some bad days on that second year. Yeah, for
1: sure. (laughs) One thing that that I'm noting here is you guys started going out there at, you know, a pretty young age. I know, Kyle, that you, um, you know, Taken away from what you did, you know, when you were a, a kid going out to New Mexico, but just when you guys started going elk hunting there, what you're both around 19, 20 years old.
0: Yeah, right around that early twenties age. Feel yeah. yeah, a few same, years older than me. Yeah, so. same, same for me. Yeah.
1: yeah, I I started in when I was twenty four. I think is when when I started going out, which was in two thousand sixteen. I'm twenty eight now, so it was, uh, you know, I was a few years older than you. But it it takes it it definitely take some drive and stuff to, to do that. And I wish I would have done it earlier, you know, to, oh, to you know, that okay. would have been my biggest thing is like, why didn't I start doing this earlier? I'd thought about it. I dreamt about it, I'd watched videos and stuff. And it took me just a little bit, uh, you know, a few years out of college to figure it out that that's, that I wanted to do it. And after we did it that first year in which we, we went out for like seven days and, backpacked it and stuff and we struggled. We didn't know anything similar to what y- you did, you know, and, and I had to re- the yeah. resources that time I started right away with uh university of Elk Corey Jacobson's course. So, I mean, I, I thought I knew a lot, but I didn't at the same time, you know, and until t- you get that experience, I think one of the things that, that I tell people that are trying to get into it is, just go and do it. I mean, that's your, your you know, do as much research as you can and, and get that information, put yourself in a good place, but at the same time, don't ever not go because you feel like you're not ready. You know, I don't know if you'll, yeah. ever, you'll ever be completely ready for your first trip.
2: Yeah, that's good advice for sure.
1: Yeah, and did you guys, I heard you say that you had um, filmed it. So did you start filming right from the beginning with it?
0: No, so um, kind of going getting into that. Me and Ryan uh, and, a, and another buddy, and he, in fact, Trevor's here with us. It's my wife's cousin. Um, all of us had kind of messed around with filming and photography. And Trevor, he uh, he had gotten into. He was kind of sponsored there for a little while in bass fishing. He'd done a lot of like media content. He was he's the same age as us. Me, Ryan, and Trevor are all the same age. Grew up together, whatever. And so we had, like, like me and Ryan had started a channel called Real Deal Productions and filmed a bunch of stuff off of a GoPro, and I think some of it's still on YouTube today. Um, and but we didn't really fool with like starting unguided until 2018, and it just so happened that uh, we were up on the top of a mountain and shot a bull, and we was filming anyways. And then after shooting that bull, one of the guys was posting a that's uh, Ben. That's who it was. Me and Ryan. I had filmed. Let's see, I had filmed. Ryan was calling and Ben was shot, and um, uh, we was like, man, we ought to start a channel. And so uh, Ben's sitting there uh, posting his photo, and he hashtagged unguided. And, you know, it was just kind of. We were really proud of what we had done. You know, with the bull and stuff, and um, it was actually a really good bull. And uh, so we was like, man, that's a really good name for a channel. That's a really good name for a group. And we looked it up. There was, you know, there's like a few odds and ends, like unguided. I think it's unguided duck calls, and there's a couple like Facebook group chats that are called unguided or something. But nobody had really done anything with the name. And so we started unguided outdoors, trademarked the name, bought the domain, and started on Instagram. And then we posted a few videos and. And here we are. What a year and a half. Well, what was going on? Year was this three now. Yeah. Little. Yeah. 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 yeah so September 2018. So September twenty eight or yeah, September this past year was two years. So we're about two and a half years into it. Oh wow!
1: I for some reason I thought you had been doing that longer with a, unguided. I mean, you guys have a ton of content on your YouTube page, and and I was, I was saying in the last probably six months or so, I've really dove into a lot of your videos and stuff, and I mean, they're all great videos. I'm not just saying that there's, there's a ton of channels out there, but there's, you guys have some absolutely epic videos from not just elk hunting from everything across the board, but, uh, yeah, you definitely went into it full bore.
0: Yeah. It was one of them things that, and I, and I appreciate it. You know, the nice things you're saying about the videos and whatnot, but it's one of them things that it was kind of like our group of guys was a group of guys that would like hey dude do you want to go elk hunting and they would make that phone call and it was just a group text and we always ended up being the guys that would go or like phil coming out here to arizona or we would go do these weird bow fishing trips or phil doing a tuna trip or um this year phil got a scuba certification last year and uh uh, ben's he scuba dives and so we're going to get into spearfishing but the, the whole i guess mantra behind unguided outdoors Uh, It's not knocking guides at all. It's just the thing that, like, you know, we're blue-collar guys, and and we work jobs. And that being said, a lot of times them guide fees and the things that you spend will keep people, like, uh, for instance, like my uncles and them, they've always wanted to go to, like, Saskatchewan or they wanted to go do these crazy Midwest hunts and stuff, and they would never do it because they couldn't afford guide fees. And so we wanted to produce something that – Helps it, people realize that they can go do it right, exactly. without, you know, yeah, like yeah. a DIY of anything and everything outdoors, Yeah, you know? Yeah.
1: No, that's, that's awesome. And I'm I'm impressed that you guys got that name. I feel like someone should have scooped that up a while ago.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just got lucky. I and mean, that's what I'm saying. We trademarked it the second we thought of it and we did a pile of searching. And like I said, there's a pile of odd names. And ever since we popped up, you know, there was a bunch of people, you know, you, you, you'll see, you know, several unguided, you know, different things, but as far as the full name and guided outdoors, it's just us. So we got lucky on that. Yeah, no, that's, that's,
1: that's awesome. And I I think it's, it's, it's impressive. Like, like I was saying that I'm not trying to sit here and just, blow your guys heads up but uh, i i truly think it's impressive like with with you guys you know not being from the west all the the western hunting success that you've had with your group and being able to film it all and i mean and i'm not knocking you guys have a lot of great whitetail content as well and and some stuff there i just watched the the video here recently of i think it was you phil with your hunt in oklahoma on that giant eight point that that you shot frontal there i mean like there's some just absolutely awesome videos i think that uh you're living up to your to your mission i guess with it pretty pretty well so that's um again i, I just i just want to give credit where it's due and i think that I, I really enjoy what you guys are doing
2: yeah we're trying to put out some comment the content for you man they it is difficult to try to make everything happen in the moment sometimes but uh we're going to to press on and hopefully we can get some decent content out of this trip here in Arizona. Yeah. I'm not sure how it's going to turn out.
1: <laughs> well, I'm sure you'll turn something out. I mean there's it's it, it's it, as much as love to fill tags it's it's also um pretty real when you don't too so I don't think anybody will be upset about it, except for yourselves.
2: That's what that's what we tell each other every time we go on a trip. We're we're always like, "Hey, we have to have a good time because if we don't kill something, then that's the only thing worth something." Yep. <laughs>
0: so. <laughs> yep, that's true. So, it, I, it, I'll be honest about this. It's been different you know, because we didn't know anybody in the industry. So I mean when I say dude we're green and don't know nothing and I mean like like when I say we're like blue collar dudes, you know, we just like enjoyed hunting. Even now, like somebody the other day had, had commented something really hateful on our, our YouTube video. And they were dogging phil for um shooting that deer frontal. And I mean like twenty six yards, you know, you're talking about cantaloupe or bigger, kill zone, you know, Phil at thirty yards, you know, I mean the guy can shoot and uh the guy was just dogger i'm talking about sitting this down the road and i'm like man you know we're like normal dudes that enjoy hunting yeah this we're not robots robot. yeah we're not actors yeah yeah and, and, and like if we if we get that shot and it's a, a buck and he's that confident and and you, you watch the video you know i mean it was a, it was a it was a very good shot it's just it's crazy like us t- you know trying to bite our tongues and act you know um, because that's not who we are, you know? Yeah,
2: I mean, you, you very well could watch one of our videos and hear something that is probably not normal, but we're literally the way we've, we're around each other and we're always cutting it up. And, and like, you know, in one of the elk videos, you know, we we call each other idiots sometimes, you know, just, that's just us, you know, the way we are with each other. It's just emotion and, and everything, you know, and, uh, and we, we definitely in the moment we definitely have a good time for sure, man.
1: (laughs) And you know, I, I, I know I personally appreciate that realism when it comes to it and not just being, you know, it it, like that frontal shot. Um, you know, I, I could see how people would get like, for some reason worked up over it. I shot a deer frontal a few years ago and I got, some criticism on the podcast with it. People even email me directly about it. And I'm like, you don't know the situation. You know, my dad says, you know, he goes, that's one of the most lethal shots that, you know, under 30 yards that you can take. If you're confident and you shoot all the time and you, you're prepped for it. And it's not, it's not for everybody, but if you, if you feel confident in it, how is that i don't get how that's any less vital than anything else you know i mean if you either you either get them or you don't i mean it's it's a pretty yeah. small window there it well it's it's a yeah. decent size window but um you know as much as you definitely don't want to you know wound a deer or anything but for the most part it's either dead or they're gonna live or you missed you yeah. know
2: well you know and then you've got you know people saying hey you know he's ex- I mean, yeah, I think you deer hunt quite a bit because I think I've, you know, I'm pretty sure I follow you on Instagram. You're always running up in the mountains and and hunt those uh, those whitetails. So you deer hunt enough to know when a deer comes in. He was that deer was curious to what we was. He he had heard something. He had got up and he was curious to to walk over. Okay, ca- take a couple steps, and then that deer was if he was turning, he was turning to run, and so you know you you've got people on there comment and well you know you should have waited for him to turn broadside or or something. I didn't in the moment. It, like you said, you know, the moment is totally different for every person. And that deer come in and I just instinctively drew back and shot him on where I knew that some you know could be vital. And. You know, yeah, there's things that you would have to live with if it turned out, you know, uglier than what it did. But it turned out good, and uh, we we've, we've actually killed several. I'm pretty sure you've shot frontal shots. We've killed several animals, frontal elk, and uh, you know, it's it's definitely not something that that I would advise past, you know, where you're really comfortable on shooting. You know, I wouldn't advise it past 30 yards. Um, so you know, it's just, man. I mean, everybody's different. People just need to chill out and relax and uh, just
0: enjoy the, the the video. That's what they need to do. If people get hung up on what ifs, man. It's the craziest. I never. Uh, me and Phil were talking, and I don't want to get on this big tangent, but this is you know a small conversation <laughs> because it's a it's a war, a rabbit hole. But me and Phil was actually talking last night. He said, "Man, was when I when I get on a video and I comment like I comment because I care." You know, he's like, "But there are people like they like set down to just you know just rip you a new one." over something that's a what-if that never even happened. It is the craziest thing that, you know, I just didn't, we never seen that side before until we started a YouTube channel, you know?
1: Yeah, and and the thing is, like, they're always the loudest, the ones that, you know, there's, there's, for every one person that says something negative, you know, there's a thousand that think positively of it. They just might not always comment or share, you know, that exactly. stuff, you know, think about like reviews on things. Most of the time people are just going on there to bitch about something, you know, they're not because they're, they're mad, you know, about something yeah. rather than, you know, say, say I bought something off of Amazon that worked out and stuff for me. The the chances of me actually going on there and reviewing them they're pretty slim, um, you Know, but yeah, if, exactly. you know, if someone was mad, you know, got something, it didn't work out. They're a lot more apt to to go and say something negative, and you, you get those are normally people that are just sitting there in front of their computer on their phone and just mad at the world in general. And that's kind of what I yeah. I <laughs> try to you know, take heroin, from it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's it. That's what I've tried to take from it, and it, you know, it is what it is. It's I I guess that comes with. Putting your, yourself out in public a little bit—it's been something that I've been trying. I, I still struggle with sometimes. I'll get you know, you know, kind of worked up about a comment or something that comes out, and I have to talk to myself like, "Listen, you know, if they, if they don't want to check out your stuff, then they don't need to. So just move along." Yeah,
0: exactly. No, that's yeah, that's exactly right. So,
1: yep, but. Anyways no I I I I'm I'm glad you you brought that up cuz that, that's something that really drives me nuts when people do that and just being you know negative on it and just I I just literally think that they're just unhappy with themselves so you got to put someone else down too <laughs> Um,
0: oh yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, you know, I mean they're not out there filming or you know shooting big eight points on public land, or they're probably <laughs> upset with something they did. You know, I mean if you if if you the way that I see it, and I don't you know want this to come across arrogant, but the way that I see it, if the if the shot was fatal, regardless of if I agree with it or not, I've seen them dudes that'll take. You know, I think them guys where they shoot a moose at like eight hundred and fifty yards. Regardless of it, I agree with that eight hundred and fifty yard shot, it roll. I mean the moose was dead nearly instantly on the shot that I had seen on YouTube. So regardless of how I feel about it, I have seen people wound animals at, you know, within 20 yards with a bow before when the deer was perfectly broadside, you've seen it on TV growing up. So to me, as long as the shot's fatal, that's the most important thing, regardless of how you feel about how it was taken,
1: you know? Yep. Yep. And, and, you know, even ones that end up not being fatal, there's, everybody makes mistakes everybody you know there's things that happen yes. that's out of yes. your control and, and you know and and that and that happens like give someone the benefit of the doubt you know not
2: oh dude it, dude we've had we've had people get on our channel and, and comment i've never ever wounded an animal ever i've bow hunted for 35 years i've never wounded an animal you know no, you just sit back and think
0: man wow
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's like okay you definitely uh, absolute, you might hunt yeah. once a year one day a year Yeah. Or, or, yeah. like it's yeah. yeah i i don't care. you know that's yeah i i don't know again i'm not gonna go down that rabbit hole we could for for an well, hour here well, here's but
0: the, <laughs> here's, here's some advice that i would definitely give that we've learned in elk hunting from being from being in the east being out west whatever. Um, we have learned that you are presented very small opportunities when elk hunting. And I so we've been doing this now for several years. I have very rarely, if ever, seen a bull elk come you know, come walking in broadside at twenty yards. At twenty yards, it's just gonna sit there there and look at you, eat. You know, yeah. I've just haven't seen it and I've seen a pile of elk get shot. And I've seen, I mean, more times than not, way more times than not, them shots be fatal. But you can't, you know, sit there and wait for the perfect shot when elk hunting because you're just not going to have them. Normally they're coming in at you, looking at you. They're looking for something or they're skirting around or, you know, you you have to stop them, you know. Yeah. And that's, a, that's a, the There's difference. There's a lot of elements punch.
2: that go into it. Yeah, day. the
0: difference between punching a tag and not punching a tag. Oh, it
2: does. It, it is the difference for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean,
1: shooters shoot, and and when you have those opportunities, like you're saying, I mean, I've, I'm by no means anywhere near an expert elk hunter, but I just from my experience of of hunting them over the you know for four years there, I mean, I I didn't fill my first tag until my fourth year, which I was, I was presented with a pretty good shot. It was wide open, broadside at 60 yards. And, but other than that, I had, I, after I started this podcast and talking to people like Corey Jacobson and ones that are consistently successful, you know, I was sharing with him some of my experiences that I had the years leading up to it, where I was at full draw at 20 yards. And I'm like, yeah, there, well, there was, this was going on in these situations. There was only a small window here. I didn't have the exact range. And I I learned pretty quickly that you've you've got to make the the most of your opportunities because there's never a perfect scenario with it. Well, rarely, I should say.
2: Yes. It definitely, what we've learned with elk hunting is exactly that. You have to somehow – Make things happen in that. It's it's sometimes it's between like Kyle said, you know, a punch tag or not. You know, you got to be. We are pretty aggressive in our elk hunting. Um, we do, we probably don't, you know, like the the bro guys that born and raised. They uh, they probably bugle quite a bit more than we would. Um, but as far as you know, when we find a bull and and how aggressive we play it, we we play pretty aggressive. And I think that that's, uh, I mean, we did Like, if you haven't watched our, our, uh, elk season this, this, for this past, uh, fall, you need to go in there and check it out.
0: Cause it's pretty good stuff. So it kind of speaks for itself. Shameless
2: plug. Yeah. Shameless plug there. No, but, I, I, I watched that, that elk hunt that, uh, that you did. That was in Idaho, wasn't
1: it? Yep. Yep. That was in Idaho.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That was a pretty cool hunt.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks. uh, Yeah. That that was an awesome, awesome hunt. And I was actually banking on if I didn't draw, well, I'm I'm trying to draw a tag in uh, Montana this year. And I was like, well, if I didn't uh, draw that, then I'd just go back to Idaho again. That was an awesome experience and kind of had a little honey hole there to us. And and then uh, yeah, Idaho changed everything and they sold out of most Dude, of their tags they, on day 1. Yeah,
0: they
2: wrecked, it. They wrecked it, the the whole process, I think. It was a, it was a bad house on that day
1: one. Yeah. I, I I didn't I am I I guess I should say that I was not prepared at all for that to happen. Like I didn't even uh, you know assume that apparently everyone else thought it was going to happen because everybody was on. I will tell on. you this.
2: <laughs> I will tell you this is what they kept it pretty hush hush. There's a lot of people that, that knew about it and I'm not going to name names, but there's a lot of people that knew about it and kept it hush hush because some of those tags were going to be at a premium dude. And, and uh, yeah, they, they didn't want, there's some people out there that didn't want it totally advertised. And that's probably why, I mean, I was, I was caught off guard myself for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, but. I, there's, I guess there's, if, if you prepare for it, there's some other opportunities. I mean, the over-the-counter options are definitely dwindling um, in the West. And, yeah. And, you, you know, I, I think that, uh, yeah. So I, I guess
2: the,
1: the way to adapt to that, because, you know, it's not changing, essentially. So you can either be upset about it. Um, or figure out how to play into the game and, and figure it out yourself. And, you know, one of those things, one of those opportunities is hunting in Wyoming and which the, the, it's, it's not, you know, I guess over the counter from the speak, you have to apply for it. Um, and you have to apply for it soon and which, you know one of the reasons for having you guys on right now is to to talk about that because what february first is the the deadline for applying in Wyoming if i'm if i uh, i'm thinking yeah, so
2: yeah the the deadline i think is january at the end of the month for the well for for elk yeah now their deer their deer and and other things are uh i think in may but
1: yeah, for for elk though it is yeah the end of the month and yeah but so I'd like to you know I, if if I'm not mistaken your guys' YouTube channel that you're talking about with some of these hunts there was some of them took place in Wyoming is that correct?
2: Yeah, so all our all our elk hunts this year was in Wyoming and I I, I think the only elk hunts on our channel. Uh, is New Mexico the only other states?
0: Uh, okay, is
2: New Mexico, and then there's some other Wyoming stuff for, from like three years ago. And so, yeah, the uh, what, what you want to know about the Wyoming deal?
1: So, I guess, I guess going into it here, you know what. I, what How does Wyoming fit into your like application strategy I don't know if you guys are applying in a bunch of states or if you're that's kind of what you know your bread and butter that you're focusing on how how does that play into to what you guys are looking at for the year
2: so Wyoming is uh, probably we try to prioritize because obviously we've We know where we go and hunt in Wyoming, it's general units, so they're more or less over-the-counter units because the residents in Wyoming, they can go, you know, to Walmart and buy a tag and hunt the same units that we would hunt, but we have to apply for them. And so those general tags, you know, those are because of the draw process, and there's obviously not a ton of residents in Wyoming, it makes... It makes for pretty good elk hunting. And, you know, you've probably watched, you know, some of Corey's stuff with Elk 101, you know, going. They've hunted, you know, several different units there in Wyoming, and they normally do really well. Born and raised, been to Wyoming, you know. So some of the, I mean, it's hard, to, it's hard to ignore Wyoming is my point. And so we kind of try to prioritize it if we can make it happen you know, um, the draw is getting worse. Um, the point creep for sure. Yeah. The point, the point creep is getting worse. I don't know. I think that, I think Go hunt just came out with odds and I haven't even got to get on that and look as far as last year's. Um, but there, I guess I can say this, might as well say it. So the way we, we use the, uh, the, you know, the draw odds to our favor is Wyoming is one of the only states that shares, so if you apply as a party, they uh, round the, the points out and even them out between whoever's in that party. So you could have a guy, say if you have a party of three, you could have a guy with five points and the other guys could have one point or zero points and those five points would be divided you know, between all of all three people. And so we just try to play the odds of, hey, you know, we've got to prioritize Wyoming, Wyoming because it's such a good state to draw um, in most of those general units that you have to kind of, you know, prioritize that over most everything else. It's one of the first draws. Now, they have changed uh, Wyoming as of last year. They changed it to where their results don't come back until – was it June? Yeah, it's after everything else. Been- yeah, it's, it's after Colorado's results. It's after New Mexico's results. It's after, I think, most everyone. Um, and so used to, you would be able to find, apply and Wyoming and find out if you draw. If you didn't draw, you could move on to these other states. And obviously, our group for several years now has been, you know, uh, applying for points in in a bunch of different states. That way we have options. Kind of like you're talking about going to Montana. You know, it's definitely on our radar. You know, we've been buying points for in in Montana for five six years. And so you know they. My advice for Wyoming would be, try to figure out the system. Try to maybe make a couple trips to Wyoming. They do Wyoming does have a few. There's normally a few leftover oak tags um, after the draw is up. Some of those are – sometimes you won't find a hidden gem, but some of those, you know, uh, leftovers that are in there, you know, year after year after year is kind of hard to get into, you know, as far as access. Me and Ryan got – was it Unit 7? Unit Uh, 7, yeah. They have uh, some cow tags. Yeah, that's easy to get. Yeah, those are pretty easy. Um, But – I gotcha.
1: And, and, you know, with, with that, um, being said, you know, it's, um, the, with they're not getting the results back all the way until June or whenever it is, that, that makes it kind of difficult when you're fitting it into your, your plan. Can you get refunded? Say if you drew New Mexico, a good unit that you would like, um, you know, better, and then you end up drawing Wyoming. Can you turn that tag back in?
2: Yes, you can. Yep. Okay, but would you no? Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> it mean, depend, it, depend, it depends. It depends. <laughs> no, it depends. But you can. Yeah, the question is, yeah, you can turn the tag back in. It depends. Yeah, like Kyle saying, you know, if you want to, you know, several of us this year, yeah, we'll be applying like we always do in New Mexico for trophy units, and then I think we're gonna a couple of us try to get back into Wyoming. We've got a lot of logistic plans for for 2021, it's going to be a killer year. Sounds like so. Um, but yeah, it definitely can turn it back in because, you know, like you're saying, you know, if you're going to try to, you know, plan out your year, then Wyoming definitely made that a little more difficult for everyone.
1: Yeah. And and one thing to note is non-residents, if you're going unguided that you can't hunt wilderness areas and, no. you know, that's definitely something that, that comes into uh, to play when you're doing your, you know, e-scouting or kind of looking at units. If I'm not sure if there's any of them that, you know, are completely wilderness areas, but obviously it's not somewhere you want to apply if you're, if you're trying to do it DIY. Yeah.
2: Yeah. They definitely, some of those wilderness areas, especially up like the Northwest corner around like Yellowstone and stuff, some of that. Is You know, with the, with the bears and things, you know, they want people in there that kind of know, if you're going in that deep, kind of know what they're doing, you know. and uh, But, I mean, honestly, there's a lot of country. If you draw a, a general tag in Wyoming, there's a lot of country that, that you can hunt that's really good elk hunting that you would never have to, uh, to worry about the, the wilderness deal. Gotcha. I mean, I'm, I'm, I am. At, you know, every year I, I leave a survey, hoping that that Wyoming changes that, just because it opens up more land to to access for non-residents. Because I am a non-resident, now residents probably feel a little different. But um, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, and and may, maybe if this if this is any way, um, kind of implies onto where you guys are at then you don't have to answer it but uh do you have you had to deal with bears or anything or how do you deal with that as far as in in your mind and just kind of precautions with it
0: we we got asked this question uh what was on instagram or someone had wrote us and asked this i can't remember where it was um it was on instagram we done that question deal they asked us how would you deal with bears you know so like for us um just, just for instance, so like we do a lot of bow fishing like South Louisiana, uh, and there's a lot of stuff out there that can go wrong. So you just have to pay attention. So, um, you know, being some Eastern guys, we just treat that stuff uh, with with caution. Um, we hunted a, a, a really deep unit in New Mexico that was really rough um, in 2019. That I, I think you just want to treat everything with caution. Pay attention to what you're doing. Carry bear spray. Um, you know, that's really all that you can do. Yeah. That that's I, I would just say that like pay attention, you know, don't if you're if you're sitting there, you know, cleaning a carcass or whatever it is that you're doing, have somebody, you know, that's that's paying attention while you're elbow deep in guts, you know, or whatever it is. Uh it just it is really, really anything, proceed with caution, carry berry spray and uh I've said it ten times, but pay attention to what's going on and, and you'll be fine, you know. Yeah. Yeah, no, I.
2: Yeah, the only, the only, the only, I mean, I'll I'll say this the only place that we have have had to really deal with the Grizzlies is Idaho. We went on a, uh, a spring bear trip this past spring there in like northern Idaho, like in the Panhandle. And so, you know, we would carry spray and, uh, and I think we carried like a 12 gauge shotgun, just one guy, but, um, you know, as far as Wyoming, we haven't really hunted units with with the grizzly, especially up in the northwest corner. So,
1: yeah, you know that 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 makes sense. I mean, I know like when we were in Alaska, it was different because everything was pretty open. You can see away. So, like when we had our caribou down, we just kind of made it a rule that no we weren't gonna not one person was gonna carry meat while the other one was cutting up like we'd stay together and just you know use like you said use common sense use caution with it and and try to take the necessary precautions but at the same time anybody that's um you know really afraid of bears i guess you should you either gotta come to you know be honest with yourself you gotta come to to you know grips with that's what you're going to be dealing with or hunt some, hunt a different area that doesn't have them, which there's quite a few maps out there that show the the grizzly ranges and everything else. But
2: yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely overthought. I think that, you know, uh, it's a lot safer than, than some people probably think. Uh, you, you just definitely don't want to be ignorant, you know, and, and, uh, Flail and, do, and flail around and, and do things that you you should you know I mean common sense really and uh, you know and just pay attention you know some of those units up in the in the corner there in Wyoming they definitely are some some units that you definitely want to pay attention when you're when you're out there if you, if that's what you're going to go and do and and all that but um, we definitely haven't not that we we won't I would say sometime we eventually will end up in there somewhere. But uh, Yeah. We haven't, we haven't yet. So
1: all right. Well let's let's I'd like to get into a little bit of talking about your last year that you had spent in Wyoming or really any experience. If 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 you have any stories that, you know, stand out to you about hunting in Wyoming, um, you know, any Stories that might ended in success, ones that you learned from that maybe you didn't, you know, kind of, if you would dive into uh, a story or two of, you know, specifically hunting in Wyoming and how the day went, kind of just going through the nitty gritty details of that hunt.
0: All right.
2: Uh, I'll let Kyle start out and just, I guess, just talk a little bit about uh, your hunt.
0: Just elk season. Like, yeah, i was talking about our hunt. Yeah, so, um, so my hunt was actually kind of weird, and the reason that it was weird is because um, I shot a bull. We actually went down to a spot where we had heard bulls on their head off, and and um, I, the bull that I shot. Now, let's just go through the story of how it happened. So, anyways, like we'd come off of the side of a mountain. Uh, go to uh, go through a valley basically and come up on a big knob and then there's we was hunting meadows as we was coming across them and uh, as we was hunting meadows we we may hunt a little different than what some people do And in fact we've been told that it's kind of odd some of the things that we do when we're hunting uh, and one of the thing is is when it's prime time we're um, a lot of times we'll just kind of sneak around um And just listen, do a lot of listening along with, yeah, we'll cow call every so often, but just constantly listen because the elk is one thing that we've learned, and I don't know if it's from coming from hunting whitetails off the ground or what it's from, but, you know, elk is a big animal and, and you can hear them moving way better than you could a whitetail. Um, and so me and Phil and his nephew was with us, would come off and we get in this meadow. Phil's cow calling and we sit down because we ain't heard nothing. And we hear stick break, probably. I don't know. We just heard one stick break in through the years of elk hunting. A lot of times after cow calling, we'll just, you know, after a stick breaks whatever. whatever, just more times than not, it ends up being most likely an elk. And so it feels like, man, that's weird. And we was like, okay, well, what I'll do is I'll dump off to the backside of this meadow, me and Mason, which is, Phil's nephew. Phil's so like, I'll drop back and I'll cow call him. If it's a bull, we'll just try to call him off the edge of this, you know, uh, on this ridge. Basically, and the, and the bull hasn't said anything. Yeah. The bull ain't done other broke a stick. And we, yeah. at this point, we don't know if it was a tree falling or what. We yeah. just feel you know, like it was odd. And so Phil for 20, 30 minutes probably, um, every just a little bit, just trying to coax the bull into answering or doing something to prove that it was something. Um, he just kind of sat over there and cow called about 100 yards away from me and Mason. Well, me and Mason are sitting here glassing this ridge. Uh, the farthest part of the ridge was about 150 to 200 yards, and then it as it worked its way to us, it was at the base of the ridge it was about 70 or so. Um, so me and Mason were like, dude, that's odd. So about 15 minutes into Phil calling, uh, or just he sounded off one or two cow calls, and he was quiet, we heard another stick break like dude either it's a bear or it's an elk and so we just motioned for phil i, I think i may have sent him a text message i said hey come back over here you know if something's moving but we don't know what it is could very well be a black bear and so we sit there just very patiently um for probably another what 30 minutes at least and heard another stick break and i don't know did you even cow call anymore after that
2: no we just i mean it's one of those situations where you're just being patient you know
0: waiting for something to to
2: happen and that's what we, we've done a lot more this year, it's just been patient. And so,
0: yeah. And so, uh, at this point, we're probably creeping up on an hour and we've heard two or three footsteps and two or three sticks break. And I get a glimpse of some movement. I get a glimpse of some, uh, basically about 150 yards up just out of the hill in some aspens. I could see a blonde body moving. So at this point, we're like, hey, it's either a cow elk or it's a boil, whatever it is. And we could see him skirting the edge and we would just catch glimpses of him because it was super thick. Well, I had an opening that was probably, I don't know, 8, 10-foot wide or so. And then I had, it you know, as far as the up and down, uh, there was a couple tree limbs. But I had a good enough opening. It was right at 72 yards. And so, Phil we was hoping that he would come down and come down to the edge of the meadow. Well, there was a small opening. Phil had seen the horns as he was walking and uh, he said, hey, it's a bull, and it looks like he's going to come right here at 50 yards at the base. Well, and that was for him to turn and come towards us to try and check out whatever he was curious was, probably the cow calls that was in that meadow. Well, he gets right to the edge of it. Instead of coming towards us, he made that spot where I was saying it was right at 72 yards, and um, Phil stops him. It's all on video. Phil stops him, and he's looking at him through a range finder. He's like, hey, he's 72, 72, and he was broadside, and I shoot a lot. Um, I felt very comfortable with that shot, and I ended up shooting. He, he double-lunged and died in about 40 yards. But one thing that we learned with that scenario is sometimes patience, which a lot of times people don't, um, I guess, uh, relate patience with elk hunting as much as um, just paying attention and just seeing, you know, what's that stick break? What was that sound? It was really different. It's kind of a, a different episode if you're used to elk hunting. being Very different from what we – because I mean, a minute ago,
2: I told him we're super aggressive, you know, but this one was like, you know, it's, it's like we, this year we paid attention to and try to take every, give everything a chance to work itself out rather than, you know, sometimes we want to force it and, and, and all that. It's just, you have to just pay attention, you know? Yeah,
1: no, that, that makes sense. I mean, and, and what you said about, um, you know, being aggressive and then being patient. I, I mean, I think those two things can go hand in hand because there's a difference between being aggressive and being reckless and, you know, and, and, you know, as far as I'm not sure exactly, you know, leading up to it, like leading up to that opportunity that you had, what, what was the the scenario? What put yourself, I guess, in that place? Why were you near that meadow? You know, why, why did you pick that spot to be at? Was it just where you ended up or was there um, some sort of, I guess thought process into that.
0: Uh mostly on maps and just, you know, years of hunting and uh Well we were we we were on oak yeah that, earlier.
2: earlier that day. Brown. I mean that close by we kind of that morning we knew that there had been bulls that went into that specific drill. Now I'm not sure we knew that, that one was in there. I don't think we've seen that one, but we but originally,
0: we just went in there from just to pick it. You know? Oh yeah, yeah.
2: We definitely. I'm not sure. We'd never been down in that no, specific area. We just kind of area picked a
0: spot till that day looked similar to other spots we had seen yeah. in on and said, "Hey, this is where we're going."
2: Yeah, that was the first day, and I've been out there for like, I think this was the fifth year. That was the first day that any of us had been into that specific like drainage. We like to, so another thing, what we like to do that is probably way different than most elk hunters is we don't like to hunt the same place, you know, twice within a, what, three, four days, three or four days. And sometimes, I'm not sure, I mean, sometimes we don't hunt the same place more than once. When I say place, I'm talking about... You know, this is, okay, so so our elk hunt this year was not a spike camp. It's not hiking in and, and camping off your back. This is a base camp style. We're using trucks and, uh, I mean, sometimes four-wheelers to, to access. And so these, these spots, when I say different spots, I'm talking about, you know, different drainages, different, you know, some places will be 30 minutes from another place, sometimes even more than that, yeah, 45 yeah. minutes to an hour. And so, you know, yeah, I think what it does is, you know, if you keep pressuring elk, um, from, I'm not a professional elk hunter, I'll guess, but, um, when you pressure elk over and over and over again, elk are different. You know, the, a deer, like a whitetail or something, you, you can pressure them and they might go, um, a quarter mile away or they might hunker into the thick stuff. But uh, a, an elk will go two or three drainages and completely out of your lives feels like sometimes because you know it's nothing for an elk they've got long legs i've seen an elk cover some serious ground i'm talking serious ground and so when you pressure those elk they'll go out of that drainage and they won't come back for five days and so you know you just want to be careful on how much you pressure these places and when we go into bow hunt we are I mean, you're crazy to think that you don't pressure these animals because they're smart, they they use the wind to their favor just like we try to use it to ours. And so, you know, pressure is the biggest thing. We have to pressure them pretty hard to try to be successful with archery equipment. And so once you do that, we like to change it up. Hey, let's go hunt this over here. This looks pretty good. You know, sometimes we'll get into a, a drainage that literally... It'd be hard pressed to find a pile of poop, you know, and, uh, but I think it just works out, you know, better doing that than saying, putting all your eggs in one basket saying, I'm just going to stay right here in this drainage and they'll go eventually come back. They probably will eventually. Um, but, you know, keep that in mind, you know, you don't have to hunt the same exact place, you know, twice, just try to figure out with your mapping system on X, you know, how to access you know into places and and I think it'll work out good
1: yeah I mean i I think there was a couple things there that stood out to me and and one of them was that you're you're trying to find places that are similar to where you've found elk in the past or like you know looking for similar type uh, uh, I'm taking your words and twist them a little bit here, so correct me if I'm wrong, but you're looking at like the map of typical type areas, whether that might be terrain features or what things look like you know you're trying to that you found elk in the past and trying to find multiple places that have that similar type of of stuff so you have those other options is is that accurate or am i taking your words and twisting them a little bit
2: no for sure i mean that's pretty much spot on you want to you know the if you use X or any kind of google maps or you know where you're looking at terrain features and saddles and and benches and and things like that yeah you definitely the places that you hunt you start figuring okay this is what this looks like from a, a satellite view and then you try to target those same places you know elk are i mean in general elk you know do the same thing i mean in general elk go up in the mornings and they come down in the evenings i mean that's in in general that's you can almost bank on it, you know, And the, at nighttime, they like to move down and in the mornings they'll start moving up and bedding. And, uh, and so you've just got to figure out, Hey, how are these elk moving through these saddles and bedding on these benches and, and things like that. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's pretty much spot on. Yeah.
1: And, and one of the other things that you were talking about, you know, being mobile from, you know, being able to come back to the truck and move if you, you need to, that was something that, it, it took me three years of hunting elk before I tried the, I you know, I would read everywhere that you needed to backpack into these areas and do all this stuff. And, 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 you know, I, I had, I, you know, I, I didn't realize at the time, but I was putting pressure on by hunting these, you know, spots over and over again. You know, I'd get into elk like crazy one day, maybe something would happen or I spooked them. And I'd continue to hunt these areas thinking that, you know, they were just going to magically show back up, but obviously they're, they're um, very, they're a lot smarter than I was. And they also like to um, they can cover ground in a ridiculous amount of time for what it takes me to try to climb up the, the mountains and go from one place to another, they can do in just so much faster. And when, you know, I, there's, I mean, there's other people that are, you know, doing this as far as like, you know, mainstream guys like Corey does a lot of truck camping and moving around, and, and I, when I started doing that in Idaho, it was, well, I killed my, mine on day one, so for me specifically, it wasn't, but with, I, I got lucky, but you know, when I was helping my buddies and we were hunting, we were able to, even though sometimes it created more work as far as maybe having to get up earlier to, to hike into an area to check it out. But coming back to that vehicle made you so much more mobile. You didn't feel like you were locked down to an area because, you know, w- whether yeah, yeah want to believe it or not you know when you backpack into an area you're kind of you're kind of set there a little bit you know you or at least it takes a lot more work to to get out and to move to somewhere you're more apt to be like yeah I'm gonna try this you know for a few more days where being able to bounce around you know utilizing a vehicle or whatever that might be is is I don't know that's kind of something that that I at least when it comes like the -the over-the-counter units and things that get a lot of pressure, I think that you can't go wrong with that.
2: Yeah, for sure. Now, you know, some things are, I mean, there are some exceptions to that, uh, but but in general, I think that you can, my opinion, I think you can be more successful being mobile than, than doing it uh, the backpack style. Now, you know, there are exceptions. There's some places that, you know, some of those over the counter units and, and, uh, in there in Colorado and I'm sure in Idaho,
0: you know, some of those units are super pressured
2: on the fringes and it just, it definitely makes it a little more difficult
0: to, like you said, you know,
2: get in and out and you're just, you're you're taxing your body quite a bit to, to stay mobile, but it, and I think in the end, I think it's, uh, it's better to do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, I, I think, I think you guys have given some, you know, real world examples. I mean, you know, it's, you guys don't hunt elk for a living. This is something that you enjoy doing. sounds like, yeah, you, you know, again, like you said earlier, blue collar guys going out and, just trying to make it happen and and I, I think you know these these examples are just are super helpful and and just to, to be able to, I don't know. Learn from that, and and everyone, you know, there's benefits to every different style of, you know, backpack hunting, base camp, truck camp, and there's benefits and there's you know downfalls to all of those different styles. I guess you'll, you know, when you go out and and do it, you'll you'll kind of figure out your own style, and uh, you know, as you go along.
0: Oh yeah, for sure, for sure.
1: But. Well, I, I do want to be um, respectful to you guys' time with um, – I know you guys are on a hunt and everything, but is there anything else that you think of um, that would be beneficial or things you kind of want to leave the listeners with when it comes to uh – Anything even general uh, elk hunting, you know, something that you'd say if you if you could give, you know, a few lines that you want to leave everybody with when it comes to general elk hunting or specific to Wyoming, feel free to to shoot that information out there.
0: So I'll kind of interject here with uh, something I said. I, I had another interview on the uh, podcast and a guy kind of asked a similar question. And I answered it with, in order to be successful, you have to suck first. And what I mean by that is, is like, things are not always going to go good. And uh, it's one of the things that I've learned. In fact, all of us have uh, that if you're going to do a 10 day elk hunt or whatever it is, there's going to come a time frame where you're going to have to make up your mind mentally, that regardless of what's going on, that you're going to get out of bed no matter what. And like we hunted what, like 18 days this past year, we walked a pile of miles. We packed out. Uh, just in both seasons, I think we packed out because we helped other people, not just in our group, but other groups uh, that we were camped close to. Uh, we helped them uh, tag out after we had tagged out. So we packed out like 10 or 12. I think you were on what, 12 pack outs? Mm-hmm. I missed a couple. And so you're going to get to a point where you're going to want to quit. And if you, at, for me, it's only around day eight to 10. I don't only really miss my family and stuff. Once I get past that two to, you know, those two to three days there, normally I'm fine and um once you can get through that then you'll just kind of like hey i'm here and this is what i need to do so no matter how hardcore you are um or even if you've never done it before you're the greatest whitetail hunter and you want to elk hunt you're going to get to a phase where you're going to have to make up your mind no matter what And if you'll do that most likely your your odds of success are going to increase substantially
2: and i've got something uh Following that up, as far as, like, the Wyoming, going back to the Wyoming, you're I think you're trying to get some information out there with this podcast. Um, so my advice would be, obviously, do your research and figure out, you know, what season you want to go and figure out, you know, like Wyoming Game and Fish, they put all the results out there on what units, you know, uh, draws uh, rates and success rates and draw odds. And then you've obviously got uh, uh, if you've never heard of Go Hunt, you know that might be a, a good tool for you to get on there, and and uh, you can check all those things pretty, you know it's pretty user friendly on their website. Um, and then, yeah, just figure out what you know what time of year you want to hunt. That's going to obviously play a, a a factor in when you apply and what tags you're applying for. Now their general tag is a archery. Uh, or rifle tag. And so, you know, you can go in, in archery season. And then if you don't get something, then go back in October. I think their season is like the 15th or something around the 15th. And, uh, and then go for a couple of days in rifle season, you know, or just go in rifle season or just go in bow season. But, um, yeah, just get on there and check it out. Um, if you, you, you can't go hunt if you don't apply. And, uh, you know, that's, that's really the deal, and and you know there are some leftover tags, but just do your research, figure out you know draw odds and things like that. I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken, which I could be, that the general tags I think they I think everybody in a sense has, even if you have no points, um, has a chance in Wyoming. So uh, yeah, there's some advice for you, and they also have uh the special draw so i didn't talk about this any at all so they wyoming general they you know they have their regular draw and then they call this other draw the special draw so pretty much in the nutshell is if you apply the special draw you pay a little more for your tag i think it's like 1300 bucks compared to like 700 bucks don't quote me on those prices either but those general prices and uh the special draw would be you're paying extra to have better draw odds and so, uh, just trying to you know throw in what information that can come to my head. Right, I'm pretty tired, so yeah. Uh.
1: <laughs> no that, that that's 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 super helpful. And I'll I'll go th- at the beginning. I'll I'll record an intro and I'll go through some of the specifics on the different types of uh, licenses and the costs and stuff there. But I think you're about spot on with the difference between the 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 regular tag when you apply and then you can fork out some extra money it's it's like an additional five hundred dollars like you said to be able to um have better odds essentially so it um yeah that's i think that's super helpful and and i really really, again really appreciate you guys taking the time out of your hunt to sit down and talk to me i have Uh, A ton more questions to talk to you about, but um, I think for the. Alaska.
0: Alaska. Oh, yeah. Alaska. Alaska caribou is in the sights, uh, possibly for 2021. So after this podcast is over um, and we're home with some sleep, we ain't even ate yet. So pizza got delivered and you called. We were stuck in breadsticks. mouth. The other guys were eating. Yeah. So anyways, no, we're going to bug the heck out of you about, you know, some questions on the caribou stuff. But uh, we, in, in, in all honesty, man, we really need to get together. And, um, you know, I think that we've obviously – I mean, this phone conversation seemed like we could go forever uh but you know try to collab do some things together it's awesome you know always a good thing to get with other creators and do stuff man
1: yeah i i, I totally agree and feel free to yeah, pick my brain on the caribou stuff and uh ask once you get some sleep and get home i mean um i'm open to sharing anything i know with you to be able to help you out so cool man i appreciate it awesome well, again, thanks, guys. Let So can you let the listeners know where they can find all of your content at and anything else, any other shameless plugs that you want to throw out there?
0: Okay, cool. Um, so basically any platform, even including TikTok, we don't do no weird dances, but uh, we are on every social media platform uh, under Unguided Outdoors. And we own the domain www.unguidedoutdoors.com. And hold on one second, someone's come upstairs. Uh, so anyways, we own the domain, UnguidedOutdoors.com. Uh, there's not a whole lot on the website right now. We had to get a new, um had to end up getting a new guy to start doing uh, some of our merch and whatnot. And in, in I handle, you can write us on Instagram or anywhere else and I'll respond. So that's about it. Oh, and we have a podcast that we're starting. Um we started it back in what, July? July. Yeah. It's not as consistent because we mostly concentrate on YouTube, but it's just the Unguided Outdoors podcast. I think we've got ten or fifteen episodes or so. So and uh, we ain't even figured out how to call people and record stuff yet. So when we figure that out, um, we'll have you on there. <laughs> well, all right. Well, I can, I can help you out with that. You
1: can help with that. <laughs> with that, good. yeah, I, good. Good. I can, I can help you out. And with um the way this year's been, I've had to do just about all of them. Over this since I'm not going to shows or events or meeting up with as many people it's kind of been it's kind of what I've had to do so uh i I can definitely give you the, the tips on that but that's it's cool
2: i uh well, what we' do is have uh, bow on our podcast and go into some detail about the caribou. there there you go win win for everybody hey that,
1: that i i'm I'm all for doing that so let's let's make it happen
0: <laughs> cool man sounds
1: awesome. All right, well, again, thanks, guys, Kyle and Phil. It was it was great talking to you here, and uh, hopefully by the time I release this, you guys got a couple deer down, and I uh, can add that to the beginning.
0: I hope so, too. We'll let you know.
1: <laughs> Sounds good. See you, guys.
0: All right. Awesome, brother. We'll see you.